Welcome to Reimagine Teaching, a podcast for teachers by teachers um, about teaching and dreaming a better future for the field of education. Um, I am Brittany Lang. This will be our first episode back from my totally intentional hiatus. That's not true. Um, <laughs> I mean, you deserve it. December hit and I we had a podcast. I had a guest um planned on having a guest on and he his whole family ended up sick and he was sick he was like i have no voice yeah so i was like we'll redo it and then all of a sudden it was like winter break and i was like i didn't post anything in december (laughs) and then i was like i have to go back to work next week and i have no energy to post anything um so i don't know it was accidental but now moving forward we'll make it more intentional of here's some breaks we have to have just so that it's not overwhelming um but we're back so um, today I am interviewing and hanging out with um, Charlie Tochi, who is um, one of my coworkers. So I'm super excited. This is the first like we work in the same place mm-hmm. and get to have a conversation. But we've never like actually worked. No, together. we work adjacent. Yes, I mean I work with you more so than anyone else right. in your department, but I don't like work work with um, you. Which and is the last weird. the last couple of guests I've had have not been teachers at all. So I'm excited to be like, oh yay, we get to actually talk to teachers. <laughs> Finding teachers at the start of the school year who want to talk about their jobs is really difficult. So I'm super excited. Um, we're going to talk today about student engagement, which will be fun because we do share a lot of the same students mm-hmm. um, and kind of what that looks like. When we start, though, I always like to start the podcast on a positive note. And what is bringing you joy this week or kind of helping you get through what is January as a high That's school true. teacher? <laughs> Well, at least today, like, what's really nice is I have all my grades posted, like, Mm. everything is done, so I can just really, like, sit back, relax, get planning done, and then really, like, the joy side of it comes in from, I get to spend a lot of time now with my husband, with my family, and stuff like that, something I didn't get to do, like, two weeks ago, right? because I'm like, I want to get all of these 110 papers graded so then I can actually enjoy like the next three weeks of right. my life and not have to stress out. Right. So yeah, last week I worked late every single day mm-hmm. and my husband was like, are you coming home? The cats miss you. <laughs> and the one night I stayed, it was probably the latest I've ever stayed here at Trimber was like till six o'clock because mm-hmm. we had no internet at home. Right. <laughs> I was like, I can't come home because I have to work to do and we have no internet. <laughs> So I had to stay here till the internet was back at the house. Well, see, and that's what was nice. Like, my husband went on a little trip, like, for a weekend. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I'm just going to grade all right. weekend and be a recluse. And, like, no right. one's going to know that I actually exist. Right. And then I can come out and emerge and <laughs> feel energetic. And be like, yeah, and that's dumb. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, my friend and I, we have been laughing all week about this. We, my best friend and I have been friends since high school. Okay. So 13 years we've been friends. And I found my planner from, like, junior year of high school and all these sticky notes that we passed back and forth. And we're See, all the, stuck and the, in the before front. Phones. Right. I told, <laughs> I told my class that. I was like, I found all the notes my friend and I passed. And they were like, ew. And I was like, no, 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 let me, sorry, let me clarify. During the dinosaur time. <laughs> yes. We had to pay per text message. Mm-hmm. I was like, so we used sticky notes because that was too expensive. Um, and it like, you weren't allowed to have a phone because aren't at school at all. Right. But I had all of my sticky notes that all the ones she wrote me, I kept, and she kept all the ones I wrote her. She's like, they're at my parents somewhere from like, you know, this one month of our junior year. And so we were reading through them together on Monday and laughing so hard. Just this like, 
you forget how much you mature and how much yeah. your relationship has matured unless you have stuff like this to look back on and be like, oh, we were just so stupid. <laughs> I'm like complaining most, about my boyfriend. <laughs> like you grow when you figure right. everything out and then you can laugh at like the stupid Facebook posts that you made. Like Right. Well, that's what she said. There was ago. a couple of things I like set them to the side and she was like, oh, no, that has to be shredded. She was like, these are why I'm glad Twitter wasn't around when we were in high school. Because if I had posted that, that would not. <laughs> like, They'd come back to bite you later. Right. Silly high school stuff. <laughs> but the best was like this long, like two full notebook pages. I had a boyfriend in high school who thought he was super edgy. And so he was like, I'm reading the Communist Manifesto. And I think there's some like really good qualities to it. Well, that was funny because a kid in my check and connect found like the penguin classics like they were selling like a 70 book set (laughs) at target and one of them was the communist manifesto it's like all of these unknown classics but the communist manifesto and so i wrote my friend a note and it's like half a notebook page where i'm like my boyfriend says he's communist and i know i mean i think that's a bad thing but actually i have no idea what that means and my friend my best friend's a super history nerd so she's like Oh, well, here's kind of the basic tenets of communism. And she replied in a note <laughs> with, like, her little, like, history nerd summary of what it means to be communist. And I kept that because I was so grateful for her, like, you giving know, you giving me, oh, my gosh. But I was like, that's the epitome of, like, high school Brittany. Like, my boyfriend said he's communist. And I think it's a bad thing, but I don't actually know <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. At least you were concerned with that and not anything no no i wouldn't i communism we went to a cold war private christian high school and that was the extent of our concerns uh so but we yeah that has made my whole week and i'm so grateful for her friendship but also just to be like oh my gosh mm-hmm. i'm glad we made it through that, <laughs> that was- wait the boyfriend being communist or high school all of the above <laughs> So tell us a little bit, what is your job, um, your title, and then also more fun, like how would you describe your classroom? What does it kind of look like your day to day? So this is my, according to KUSD, fifth year in the district. It, year-wise, it's my sixth, but year, right. I don't know how they determine. They celebrate the year after. Yeah, which so is really it's... weird. But anyway, so it's my fifth year in the district, my fourth year here at Tremper. And I primarily teach English. I don't really do anything else. I've had a variety of stuff like inclusion, SPED. Primarily, my focus has been honors. I've been the 10 honors English teacher now pretty much every single year I've been here. And it's been a lot of fun getting to develop new curriculum and things like that. I've taught freshmen, sophomores, seniors. I really haven't gotten to teach juniors, so maybe someday in (laughs) the future. Who knows where my admin's going to put me, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, My classroom, it it depends really on what we're doing. Usually I try to do some kind of weird, like, close reading activity with the kids, depending on what we're doing, but not where it looks like the tedious, like, annotating close Mm -hmm. reading, like, almost tricking the kids into doing close reading. Yeah. Like, with some weird kind of engaging activities like they think it's really cool and i'm like okay awesome great you're doing this (laughs) we got it um but otherwise it's just like we're reading materials we're doing some grammar to help them improve their coherency and their ability to write like 
I'd say it's a pretty standard class. Like you don't see me being like Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams standing <laughs> on the table, but no. I have been described like my teaching methods. Like I do some drugs beforehand, apparently. Awesome. That's how well, a couple kids have described great. me with my energy. Awesome. It's better in the morning than in the afternoon. Yeah. I had a, what is I drinking? Like a sparkling water. And a kid asked me, it was like, is that beer? And I was like, <laughs> first I'm pregnant. Right. <laughs> And second, I'm a teacher and currently at work. Like, what do you... That's for after work. I was like, and I'm still pregnant. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I have, like you said, we haven't, we worked like adjacent to each other. So yeah. I haven't been in your classroom while you're Correct. teaching. Um, and this is my first year of really having like a big ESL class, mm-hmm. like where it's about half the kids. My first year here, I had maybe like six kids in a class that were ESL and then like a couple sprinkled in, but that like, this is my first big working with the ESL department, which has been fun. You have the unfortunate scheduling where all your ESL kids are in your first hour. Yeah, whoever did that was not, (laughs) yeah. Like I know someone has to have our students first hour. Right. But if we could make it like art or something, not a core class, that would be great. Correct. Because they just aren't here. Or awake, if they or are awake, here. Or, or wanting to do anything. No. No. A couple of them, yes. But it's a slow morning. It is. It's a very slow morning. And doing reading and, like, English is a hard class to do first thing in the morning. Yes. Okay, so talking about, stu- <laughs> talking about student engagement. Um, what does that mean or look like for students to be engaged? And this is... What I like about, I appreciate about the podcast and the guests I've had is mm-hmm. there's a lot of, um, what are they called? You know, like words that get thrown around. Like, we have to be doing these things. Correct. And that's and, been our big push, too. Like, that was our last <laughs> PD was, right. let's sit here and watch a video about people talking about engagement. Right. Which, at the same time, you're like, I'm bored and I'm staring at someone's butt crack that was in front of me right for the entire time right also the program they were talking about because then mm-hmm. it was like now you guys go um like it explore. wasn't working the program wasn't working ESL teachers don't have licenses mm-hmm. so I literally had nothing to do for that hour <laughs> and I was like cool I'm so glad I'm, I'm here glad you're engaged, engaged. yeah <laughs> um so what is that like I think when I think of of the like district requirement of student engagement mm-hmm. frequently they th- they think Everyone's all the students are facing forward and listening mm-hmm. and not distracted. But what do you like? How would you define student engagement? How do you know that your kids are engaged? Well, and I think it kind of goes to some of those conversations we had, like with the formative work and things like that. Like you can make a fun and engaging formative activity that a kid can do either in class or outside of class to help them understand that they don't necessarily have to be sitting there giving you 100 percent of your attention like you can give me a little bit of it understand the concept understand what I'm talking about and kind of work through it at your own pace as long as at the end of the day you understand and master whatever skill we're trying to teach you then I'd say that you're engaged Mm -hmm. it's not I have to do this like really cool and awesome like 20 layer activity because that gets annoying right and no one has the time or patience to do that and I get it. Like, they're trying to make all these really cool things for us, but it's a lot then to throw in. Yeah. And if, again, if I, you've seen some of my period one kids, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, they're not ready to function at 730 in the morning. No. So if I did one of those activities, it would completely flop. Yeah. And I talked when I, some of the things on their list was um, 
like think pair share or mm-hmm. a gallery walk and i was like yeah, we don't do gallery walks in my classroom mm-hmm. because if i give my students permission to get up and walk around academic work is not happening <laughs> um now there's like suddenly everyone has chips out and i don't know where those came from and that kid pulling out the bag of candy yeah yeah exactly and so, like, we do a gallery walk, but I do it on clipboards that get handed around mm-hmm. because the children stay in their seats. And right. I, because like you said, it's not going to work for my kids. They're not going to be engaged with the academics if I let them have a free-for-all and walk around Right, but you're still engaging them in something, right. even though it's not necessarily what they idealize as right. a gallery walk. Right. And it always is interesting to me to have these conversations of, and I'm not on a summer year, so no one's observing me this year. But I, some of my coworkers are. I know. Some of my coworkers are. I kind of wish I was, because then I'd be like, well, I'm pregnant. So. Give me an excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just forgot. Um, but some of my coworkers are. And that's something where I'd be like, you know, well, I saw three kids on their phones. And it's like, I also don't think you can expect more out of teenagers mm-hmm. than you expect out of, or than we anticipate adults. If you sit in any staff meeting, mm-hmm. there's no staff meeting where everyone is 100% engaged and paying attention. Like, of course, we're, like, checking our email or on our phones. And I have probably have undiagnosed ADD. So I'm, like, doodling or doing a game because I cannot, if I just have to stare at you. You're still listening to what they're (laughs) saying. If I have to stare at you, I'm, like, in La La Land. Mm -hmm. And so for for then us to expect from teenagers who don't have the emotional regulation to actually like have coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. their coping mechanisms don't always look appropriate but um but even the like you know i get complaints like well the kid's always up and out of his seat and i was like have you seen any staff meeting Mm -hmm. there's a solid four or five people always standing standing in the back back or you know kind of wandering around like and they're adults Mm -hmm. allow the kids to do the same thing that right. you're allowing these <laughs> At least to the do. same thing you're allowing Right, because I'm sure you as a principal, or I'm just using that as an example, can't sit in a three-hour meeting that long like, right. and not stand up and take a break. Right, and I don't think we, especially at the high school, we don't put together like, you know, I'm only asking them to do this for 50 minutes. Well, no, they have seven class periods. Right. It's, you know, seven hours of... And depending on what they're doing, too, it could be a full day of all tests. Right. It could be... They get one break, and that's, like, P.E., and that's, like, the time that they're moving around, but then they're tired the rest of the day because they have all this built-up energy. Right. And then they crash kind of the rest of the day. Right. Yeah, and I just, it's so unfair, I think, to expect from kids more than we even expect from the adults. Mm -hmm. If you ask any teacher to, like, here, you're going to sit in a P.D. all day. Right. All day. And if your phone's out, we're going to call your mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... No, it's not. And yeah, and like, you know, the joke is always like teachers are texting memes during a PD and they're sitting by their phones giggling, you know, by their friends and giggling. But if a student does that, we're pissed at them. Right. And I'm like, but why? Like, again, you can't you can't expect more from a teenager than what you know is reasonable for an adult. Right. It's a double standard. Yeah. And I think then when we talk about engagement, you have to factor that in of just like they are human. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then also... Our students, especially in some pop student populations, just do not have the regulation skills. Mm-hmm. So them trying to be engaged is going to look different. But not even that. Like a couple of the kids that we've talked about, like their home life is not the best. And maybe they didn't get sleep because they were taking care of a sibling and different things like that. So if 
and admin were to walk in on that day and I have an observation and the kid's sleeping, right? that's going to reflect negatively upon me because they're not engaged in the material, but how can I expect them to engage when they were up till three in the morning taking care of their younger yeah. sibling because mom or dad is working? Yeah. When you talk about formatives and summatives, so mm -hmm. how does that help you in determining what engagement looks like in your classroom? And see, like, I was just talking about this with someone else yesterday, like, that's kind of my struggle with it, is that whole formative and summative label. Mm -hmm. If a kid hears that something is formative, 90% of them probably won't do it. Yeah. You know, and we have to do the data tracking and stuff like that, like, and I've looked at my past two quarters. The kids don't want to do the formative work, mm -hmm. but they'll do the summative work because of the percentage and the weight that it is. So they're not going to engage in everything. They right. might listen and pay attention, but they're not going to engage with anything until it comes time for the summative. Right. And how is that fair then to us as teachers, as professionals, then we get docked for that because right. our kids aren't engaging in it when the standards have been set, the parameters have been set right. for the 90-10. Right. And I think, like, ideally, from what I've heard, is that in a couple of years when the kids are used to this, like, you would be able to look at your formatives and say, oh, you know, we did a pretest. The kid already mastered that skill. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be less engaged because it's too easy. for Like, Correct. they already know it. Uh, but, yeah, when we... Right now, because we're in the beginning of this process, it's like, you know, well, is this a, is this a summative, a test grade? No. Okay, cool. And they literally, I have to clean my room today because there's just Formative stacks everywhere. of paper <laughs> worksheets mm -hmm. everywhere from the whole semester because they just don't do it or don't bother to turn it in. And then when we do get to, you know, the test, I mean, I had probably four or five kids fail my final, which should not be a mm -hmm. hard final. But I know they haven't been paying attention when right. we've been doing formatives and so it is hard yeah when that grade is put on it or when that label is put on it with our students then they just immediately tune out correct I mean th there is a clear difference like because again I have regular inclusion students and then my honors level students like they're a little bit more receptive to it because I think they understand that process a little bit more but then how can we get all kids to understand that process and then engage with it Right. You know, I can make this really awesome scaffolded, like, three-week lesson to get a kid ready for a summative, but they're not going to do the scaffolded part right? because of what the label is. Right. Oh, yeah. I have, I mean, you know, here's a graphics organizer. Put down your thoughts for mm -hmm. your writing. Okay, now you're going to take that and put it into sentences. And then you're going to take your sentences, and I want you to just add a sentence between each, you know, mm -hmm. to fill out. You'll have ten sentences total. So I just have to write 10 sentences. Well, no, no, no. Start at the beginning right. because that'll help you. But And they don't want to. <laughs> like, well, it's the same thing. Like in World Lit, we just finished reading A Long Way Gone. Mm -hmm. And we did formative work to help them pull evidence because that was our essential focus. Right. So they didn't have to go back in the book or right. copy from the internet a quote with analysis and stuff like that. Right. Like they should have had it right. already set. But because it wasn't going in the grade book as a summative... Maybe five kids did it. Yeah. And those five kids, though, are the ones who did really, really well on their summative paper. Because they already had all the stuff they needed. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I had a couple kids, not in my first hour, in my fourth hour, who actually finished their paper a week early. Because yeah. they had everything done, and they yeah. focused, and they did the necessary work to engage with it later. Right. And just make it easier on themselves. 
So what is the, like, why, for people who are still hesitant, why is it so crucial for students to be engaged? I think right now, especially this time of year, it's mm-hmm. like, well, if the kids don't want to learn, I can't make them. Right. And we kind of just leave it, which is hard. Like, for me, I mean, that's the conversations we're having today, because technically grades can be put off till Monday. Correct. But I have what, three or four kids who didn't show up for finals at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, where is the, like, you're less engaged than me, so we probably got to let it go. Right, and that and that's the trap, <laughs> and, at, like, I fall into that all the time. Like, why am I going to put effort into this kid when they don't put any effort right. into what they're doing? Yeah. I'm not going to waste my extra breath right. on them <laughs> when, you know, so-and-so is right on the cusp, and yeah. maybe I can help them a little bit more because they actually yeah. maybe want it. But what is the what is the benefit of making sure like of going the extra mile and making sure our students are engaged? Like what do you get out of that when your students are engaged in class? Well, on a professional level, like number one, your admin doesn't bug you for anything. <laughs> You're just like look kind of left in your corner, doing right. your own thing because they know that there's a process. You have everything mapped out. It's scaffolded. You have those intervention pieces worked in, and from there. It just helps the kids, like, actually prepare Mm -hmm. for the end result. And, you know, I was listening to your one podcast with your friend on grading and stuff like that, and you guys were talking about what a life summative is. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's our job here in school. Like, the formatives are the little itty-bitty, like, okay, I got to go do run this test. I need to write this report. I need to do this. And then the summative is, like, the meeting. Yeah. Or in even something less technical that well, I guess this is more technical, but less like professional, like you're a mechanic or something like that. Like you need to run all these tests on the car. That's your formative. Actually fixing it is your summative. Right. Like all the skills that we try to engage you in, you know, in even in English, like I get it, some kids just don't want to learn what a noun is. Right. But you're gonna sound like an idiot when you can't speak to someone at least semi correctly. Right. And they're going to look at you and go, oh, maybe you're not as smart as I thought you were. Do I really want to take my car to you? Do I want to hire you for my or for this service? Yeah. Because you don't know how to read and write correctly. Yeah. Just, again, from an English standpoint. Yeah. We've talked, we've done so much writing. I have sophomores, this is their second year with me, and they still will not use punctuation when they write, mm-hmm. when they type. But that's all because of the phones. Right. And I'm like, if you write an email to someone like that, Mm -hmm. they're not going to take you seriously. Whether it's you're trying to schedule doctor's appointments or you, yeah, if you're working as a mechanic and you're like, you know, hey, we've got this project. I said, if there's no punctuation, no one's going to take you seriously. Right. As a mechanic. And I know that most of your job is not writing, but. Well, not even that. Like if you're writing a contract because you own the business or whatever and you're getting someone to sign it like that's even legally there can be issues with that because you don't know how to properly punctuate right because like you put the comma in the wrong place right and now you're promising stuff you actually are not doing right and then they could sue you for that and then what are you gonna do oh because you didn't pay attention in your english class right (laughs) you didn't engage in what i was trying to teach you right I think, too, it doesn't help our students as far as building relationships with teachers and Mm -hmm. with classmates if the teachers, if the adults in the room are letting them be unengaged. Correct. Um, We have a lot of freshmen and sophomores who are coming in now post-pandemic and Mm -hmm. all of that who just are, like, over school. 
And the response is like, well, until they have the motivation, we just can't do much. Right. But it, I don't see very many examples where that improves mm-hmm. from freshman to junior year. Um, I mean, part of that, though, is maturity in some aspect. It is, like, yeah. But it, it's not the end-all, be-all excuse. No. Like, because last year I taught freshmen, this year I have sophomores, and I have some, not many, I have some of the same kids. Yeah. And just seeing the difference, though, like, there is a maturity yeah. shift, but it's not as big as, like, sophomore to junior yeah. year. But I think when we, starting freshman year, write kids off to say, they're not interested in school, so I'm not going to help. Right. There's just very little, when they come back sophomore year, they're like, I was already told that this is not my place. Mm-hmm. And that I don't belong here. So why would I try? Right. Well, and, and not even that. I'm going to sound like my dad here for a minute. Like, there's so m- or there's too many, I would say, opportunities, like, for the credit recovery and things like mm. that. And I think that's a trap that a lot of kids fall into, like, whether they had siblings and things like that. Like, they know, come their senior year, like, if I didn't do anything, I can just take the ITED and right. I pass. I can do this credit recovery. And I'm going to pass. So I can mess around my entire first three years of high school yeah, and then just kind of figure it out at the end. There's too many opportunities for kids to do that. And I think that's a fault of just education in general. Right. If we got rid of some of those opportunities, maybe like, and I don't like using this verb, but I'm going to like, it's almost going to force kids to actually like accept the consequences and go, I actually need to pay attention or... I'm not going to graduate. Yeah. Well, and schools have, especially public schools, public schools have become such a, like, this is where all of our social services come from mm-hmm. for minors. Yes. So, I mean, that includes, you know, food banks mm-hmm. and health care. And, you know, if you don't pass, you still come to your school as a 19-year-old 19, 19 and get your, you know, GED year. And there's not, yeah, there's not extra legwork of, like, no, you have to go enroll in the community college GED program. Like, mm-hmm. no, of course you can just come here. And when when that all becomes centered around the school, then it is hard because they know they've got other options. Right. Without even leaving the building. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair to those kids that maybe freshman year they come in, they want to engage, but they have something going on in their personal lives and whatever. We, we as teachers again just in general write them off and then senior year that's when they do it and they're like oh well I wish I would have known that sooner right what are some of the and I want to end on the like positive take-home stuff my god we're almost done well no I went fast I know <laughs> um I, I'm just saying in general we're getting to that conversation yeah. but I want to talk about first kind of why it's not happening what are some of the barriers for, and you already mentioned some, for our mm-hmm. students of why maybe our students aren't engaged? Like you said, and I have my master's degree is in trauma-informed teaching. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about being culturally responsive, um, for a lot of our students, it's just stuff outside of school. Yeah, I mean, this is their full-time, for a lot of students, school is the most stable place they have. Correct. And when it's the place you feel the most stable and most safe, that means you get to be yourself, mm-hmm. no matter how shitty and crabby and moody right. that is. For some of our students, they don't have the time or energy or freedom to have an attitude at home. Right. That's not an option. Right, because of their situation. Right. Like, they're the parent for a lot of their kids. Right, or they're working, and they right. know, oh my gosh, I went, where did I go? I went and got wings a couple weeks ago for my husband. 
Um, and I walked in and one of our students was working the register. Yeah. And I have never seen that kid so focused and so polite. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was like, I genuinely, he didn't say hi to me and I didn't know if it was actually one of our students or not. Okay. Cause he was so yeah. different than how he is at school. And then when I asked him on Monday, he's like, Shh, don't tell people I work there. But, um, he knows how to behave at work. Yeah. He knows he's getting paid to be here and to be polite and to be on top of stuff. And I've never seen him move so fast. And he's, I mean. He was engaged. But because he's, and he knows that that's where he has to be. Exactly. When he comes in then at 730 the next morning for school, he knows we're going to care about him, you know, especially the ESL teachers. He knows we're going to care about him. We're going to help him no matter mm -hmm. what. And he can be more honest with us than he can with his boss at the restaurant. Correct. He's not going to tell his boss, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. He'll be like, no, of course, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for the extra shift. And then he comes to school and he's like, fuck all this shit. Right? <laughs> like, um, and that's something my coworker reminded me this week. The kids were, some of our students were just so rude this week with finals. Yep. And I know it's, they're stressed about finals. And she was like, remember, they are doing this because they know we care for them. Mm -hmm. They know if they say X, Y, and Z, We'll be like, hey, that was kind of rude, but we're not going to dismiss you, dismiss them, right. and we're still going to help them. They don't have that with everybody. But I think those barriers for our students, it makes it hard for you to engage. And even part of that, too, like we don't know, like you, I think, in the ESL department, you get to know your students really well because mm -hmm. you get to see them for four years. Mm -hmm. I might only get to see them for one. And it comes to that point where maybe they just don't want to share because they don't feel comfortable with me or they don't feel comfortable with another staff member. But because you guys are like a home base for them, yeah, they feel comfortable telling you all of these things. Like, that's why it's nice to know someone in the department, right. to, like find out, oh, so-and-so is having this problem. This is going on at home. Like yeah. be a little bit more like cautious with them. Right. Like, but they don't share that stuff with us. No. Because we don't get to know them on that kind of personal level right. you know and there's like you know the one person in your department who's been here forever like has had sibling after sibling and knows the family right and I'm getting to that point yeah. I don't know if I, you know that I have my some of the freshmen we have I yeah. had as fifth graders oh okay um and then so there's a cup and there's like one girl that already is struggling as a freshman I had her as a fifth grader I had her sister for three mm -hmm. years so every time her parents come in I'm like tell me when her parents are here and I will come talk to them right because I know that like I have a relationship with them mm -hmm. um I and it's kind of funny because they're like you know well she's really struggling and I was like she was struggling in fifth grade this isn't new right you know we still have to teach but yeah we that's one of my favorite parts about being an ESL teacher is that we do Mm -hmm. our our students stay with us and so we do get to build those right. relationships not only with the students but like you said with mm -hmm. their families too so for that student I can say you know I think things have gotten better but when she was in fifth grade this is what was going on and, and I don't know that she's ever gotten over that gotten over that yeah. yeah well and it's kind of the same like the ones that I've had now last year and this year like especially the one ESL girl like I know how she works. Yeah. I have that relationship with her, so I can help her a little bit more because I know more of her background. Yeah. Versus someone that I'm just meeting for the first time, like, you know, the one person that I met, like, a month ago because... Yes. Like, I don't know who you are. Oh, my gosh. That was so funny. He's just... He literally shows up to school at, like, 1 p.m. and mm -hmm. is like, I have arrived. And I'm like, dude... And I was like, you're missing stuff for English. I was like, go talk to your English teacher. She has prep right now. And he's like, I don't even know who that is. And it was like October. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? 
Yeah, it's like, I don't know you. <laughs> like, so walk how, him like, down to can... introduce him to you. So it's like, how can I engage with this kid when I haven't met them? Literally hadn't met him. Oh, it was, it's only funny in that it's just, yeah, for that for some of our kids yes. to be like, the barrier, yeah, there's also a barrier of engagement of, atten- I mean, attendance. is and... a big one, especially, again, when you have English period one, the one class you need all four years to graduate. Right. Yeah. And we have kids. I mean, I think the avoidance um, coping mechanism is not named enough in the high school. Yeah. So, you know, we're like, kids are skipping class. And I'm like, they're avoiding class. Mm -hmm. And we need to talk about why they're avoiding the class. And for some students, it's, that's a hard class. Right. Um, We have one student, for sure, who's a sophomore who's illiterate. Mm Mm-hmm. So he avoids his English classes like nobody's business because he knows he cannot do it. Right. He avoids most of his classes mm-hmm. that are um, not art because he can't read or write. Right. But it also comes down to, too, with that, like, if the teacher doesn't engage with the kids either and they just sit on, like, their own little island, they're not, like, teaching and doing certain things. Like, yeah. they're just, here's a worksheet, do it. Right. They're not teaching, they're not interacting, and... Like, for me, it's hard with some of those ESL kids because there is that language barrier. Like, I don't know how to translate certain things for them. So I I guess I I do tend to back off a little bit from them if I can help it. Like, but again, I have that support, or I'm supposed to have that support in the room with another ESL teacher who can do that. But it's not like it doesn't stop me from trying. Right. Yeah, and I... And co-teaching is a whole separate thing. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as engaging ESL students, my um, I'm in the math department, and my one co-teacher um, has started to, she'll, like, ask me. So she'll be, like, you know, doing stuff on the board, and she's like, okay, the answer's three. And then she'll look at me and the other kids and be like, Trace? And they're like, yeah, you got it. And so she's, like, <laughs> practicing her Spanish. She's like, yeah. my goal at the end of the year is to know my numbers one through ten. Like, But that engages the ESL students where right. they can, you know, and then she said something about getting out a pencil, and she said, you know, a word. And she's like, isn't that pencil? And they were all like, no. <laughs> she's like, Miss Lang says it all the time. I was like, no, it's, I was saying, like, to write. Yeah. I was like, that's me giving directions. I was like, it's not for the pencil, but to say, like, you have to be writing right now. But see, but that's the benefit, then, of co-teaching and right. engaging the kids with right. both teachers. It's not just there's one main teacher, and then you right. come talk to this person if you need to. Like, we're both engaging yeah. in the material. And that can help. I think that helps the, the classroom teacher, like you said, it's awkward for you to be like, I know half the kids in here don't know what I'm saying. Right. And it helps the students to say, we have a lot of our ESL students will, will say, well, I just don't listen until they repeat it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't help their language production. Like, that doesn't help their language, um, them learning English. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, I mean, that makes for a boring day when most of your day you're... Don't understand a word You're just that waiting for someone to dir- talk directly to you. Um, yeah, it's really hard. And I think to, yeah, there's just a lot for our students as far as barriers to Mm -hmm. engagement. Um, but I think for ours, the biggest one has to be that formative summative. Yeah. Like you look at the data, you look at what the kids do in class and the minute they hear it's a formative, they shut down Yeah, because they'd rather cope with whatever they're dealing with. They'd rather just focus on, like, TikTok or whatever, because yeah. like, we do have some of those kids where that's yeah. their escape. That well, I was say, and yeah. that's one of the things, too, 
And then um, it's just their phones. Yeah. I mean, we were joking at the beginning. I didn't have a cell phone in college. I had a flip phone. I did, um, too. I got 50 text messages a month. And that's right? coming and going. I could yes. only send. You're like, stop texting me. I'm out. And then, like, uh, if someone would mess up and they'd send you, like, three different texts trying to get the correct word, it's like, you just wasted three of my texts. Or they send a book and they cut it into five. Yes. And like, no. And I have, my parents are divorced. And so my phone, the reason I got a cell phone to begin with was between my parents. So then it mm-hmm. would be like, well, we ran out of text this month, but my dad would want to text, you know, hey, when are you coming this weekend? And I'm like, you'll have to up my text messages for the month. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, So for my students to explain, like, I didn't have a smartphone until college. Um, and we didn't have one-to-one devices at school. And I had a laptop, but I was one of the few kids who had one. That's because my dad, my stepdad's an IT guy. Right. So he got something used and refurbished. Um, but most kids didn't have mm-hmm. a laptop at home. Like, we did. Like, genuinely still as a high school student, you could type your stuff, but we had to, like, all go to the computer lab together yeah. and type our papers. With the, like, really colorful Apple. Yes. Papers, the, like, those pictures on Facebook. It's, like, nostalgia. Yes. <laughs> but, like. Always wanted the blue one. Right. But so then for our students to be like, you know, they literally are playing video games during class. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I can't, I just can't pay attention. I can't pay attention either if I'm at home and I could be watching TV and playing mm-hmm. a game instead of being in my meeting. Right. Um, and with, it's interesting, someone, when they talk about the term digital native, and I saw on Reddit, someone's like, can we describe our students right now as that? And we were like, absolutely not. Because for me, because I grew up with, First we had a flip phone, and then we had, mm-hmm. you know, a smartphone. But I paid for data still, so I was still really careful about when I used it. Yep. And you know, I had to learn how to use, um, you know, Word docs and Publisher, and how to. I mean, I did like a um, web design class in high school, and learned how to do HTML code and all that. None of our students don't learn any of that. No. I have to teach them every time how to like make a copy of a Google Doc right. and resize a picture. They're savvy when it comes to what's hip and what's in not right certain academic things and but that was another point i was going to bring up too have you looked at that chat ai oh yeah like that's a huge hindrance on a lot of things like i just had i sat down on tuesday with one of our admin Mm -hmm. and i'm like we can't necessarily like a hundred percent catch a kid with this how do you want us to go about this yeah and that's where the like because someone had brought up to me and they're like are you nervous about it and i was like I'm not because I know my, like you said, I yeah. get to work with my students quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And if a kid turned in a college level paper, I would be like, that's not yours. <laughs> but what's weird is that chat AI is not producing like A level work. Right. Like when I compared it to my rubric, it was like high of a C at yeah. most. But I said, but also, I was like, in my class, I said students only get partial credit if they didn't do the pre writing. Okay. So if you, you have to write down your thoughts first mm-hmm. and then write from that. So if you write down your thoughts and then write your totally final different. paper is something totally different, we need to have a conversation anyway. I was like, but yeah, not every teacher can do that. But as far as cell phones, I think when we talk about student engagement, that is such a huge, huge issue. And like you said, the students are used to media and technology being for fun. Mm-hmm, not academics. So then when I, you know, a lot of the push... And, like, you know, the PD you were talking about that we had to sit in, too, is, like, here's how to do some fun online virtual, you know, games with your class. My kids don't want to do it. No. They don't want me to mix school and right. fun games. You know, and some teachers get away with, like, you know, 
Kahoot is fun. We do more like Quizlet Live because it's mm-hmm. Teams. Um, and that's fun. But after a while, like, if you're doing the points and things like that, a kid will get unengaged because they're losing and then right. shut down. Or because they're doing it in every single class every day. Right. Like, that's also not fun anymore. And so when we, yeah, when we talk about, I mean, it's very real, like, the lack of attention and my frenzy, and I have even talked about it, because when you're then home and on your phone, you don't have to pay attention to anything for longer than a second. Right. 25 minutes max if you're watching something on Netflix. <laughs> like, right. And even then you can multitask. Mm-hmm. And so to ask our students to sit down and like, you know, write intensively for 45 minutes. Oh, my gosh. That's literally impossible. Right. For some of them, it is. <laughs> because they don't. That's not an expectation anywhere else in their life. Correct. What are some of the barriers for teachers, do you think? Like, why is it hard for teachers sometimes to engage students? Well, at least personally, like we kind of said, like, I don't speak any Spanish. Yeah. Like, I can say, hola. And that's right. like, <laughs> like anything I learned when my sister was little watching Dora. Like, that, that's about it. Yeah. That's the extent of my Spanish. So I can't engage with certain kids just because of that language barrier. And I would say kind of beyond that, like, it, for some teachers, it's a confidence thing. Like, if you don't... Mm believe in what you're teaching or if you're not confident in what you're teaching you're not going to engage with the kids you're going to be like here's a powerpoint or a video that i found online here watch it and then do this worksheet yeah like i'm so sick of people using edpuzzle Mm, yeah like it's not teaching right you have a video with a little multiple choice thing embedded in right what's that doing for them it's yeah. just giving them an excuse to, like, put their head down because how many kids are actually going to pay attention right. to a video or engage with it? But if you're up there and you're actually going through it, you're showing examples, you're practicing with them, doing a couple examples, like, on the assignment to show them how to do it, that's a little bit easier. Right. And it gives the kids, again, that confidence because you have that confidence that everyone can do it. Right. But when a teacher's just sitting behind their desk turn to page 24 and write down the notes and answer the yeah. questions, like, what kid is going to want to do that in class? Right. There needs to be a healthy balance of that engagement as a teacher. Yeah. And I think another barrier with that is, too, is actually the push for more engagement. Like, yeah. if you're pushing us to do these gallery walks, do this digital learning thingy, whatever we did on our PD day, like, right. whatever it was, like... You're going to have teachers that aren't tech savvy, that don't want to do it, or know their kids and know they can't handle walking around a classroom for 15 minutes because it's going to (laughs) be chaos. Right. So it's kind of an excuse, but it's also a pitfall of the engagement, too, is when you push us to a certain level, like we can't do what you say or want us to do because of the environment that we're in, because of the kids that we have. Like, I might be able to do something with my period four, but not with my period one. Right. Because those kids are asleep. They're <laughs> coming in 30, almost 40 minutes late, right. some of them. So why am I going to do this really fun and engaging activity when a quarter of the class isn't going to get anything out of it? Right. I think, too, the prep time is something that's so huge. Mm-hmm. in um, To plan an engaging activity... Even, I mean, they're like, gallery walls aren't bad. You just put stuff up on the wall. And I'm like, there's kids in my class. I share a classroom. Right. So if I put stuff up on the wall, 
I kind of would rather wait till the end of the day. So then I have to stay after work to do it. And then it's not, if I leave it up, it's going to be torn down or gross by the end of that day. Mm-hmm. Like I can't just leave stuff up. Um, and there's more management for me if my kids are walking around the room. Or anything where it's like, okay, um, what was, oh, one of the PDs we did, we talked about student engagement. And one of the teachers was talking about having her kids do sorting activities. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to print and cut and laminate. She laminates all hers and yeah. then she can reuse them. Fine. That's a lot of time. And it also depends, too, on what you teach. Like, right. if you're an elective teacher, and, like, I'm just going to throw culinary out there. I don't know any of the culinary teachers really well. It's just an example. But if you're going to do, like, a sorting activity, and then the rest of the week they're just cooking something, right? like, that's really easy to prep. Versus, again, like an English teacher, we have 100-plus papers that we have to grade. We have right. the lessons and things like that that we have to prep. We have... Um, chapters that we need to read ahead to make sure that we can teach it correctly to the kids when do i have the time right to do that and one of the things she said she's like well you do it once and then you have it every year and i was like well the class i'm teaching right now the esl class i'm teaching i won't be teaching next year probably and then the class i'm teaching next year is going to be on an every other year rotation for curriculum Mm -hmm. so i won't teach the same course two years for another three years. Like, I won't reuse any of these materials And for I thought, too, coming three from years. an admin standpoint, they don't want us to teach the exact same thing the exact same way every right. single year. And the kids that are in your class are going to be totally different. They right. may not like that activity. Right. You, so they when may you not be able to handle it. Prep it, and you're like, I have it all set up for next year. And then those kids come in, and they're like, eh, screw your matching. And you're like, okay, well. This is a bust. I guess I have to try something different. Right. And I think, too, the time... So not only planning the materials, but just having the time to actually stop and think creatively about your lessons Mm -hmm. is not a privilege a lot of teachers have. Correct. Um, Like, I'm not planned for the new unit starting Monday yet, and Mm -hmm. it's Friday. So there's a very slim chance that we're doing anything fun and engaging with this stuff because I only have how many hours left today unless I take it home. Right. Um, and that's a lot of because, I mean, my job is different. We were just having a conversation with another classroom teacher about this. Like, finals were this week, and everyone gets, you know, the final periods were, what, an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. So if I have fifth hour prep, I should have fifth hour prep, an hour and a half, plus every afternoon, except we have to supervise our students for all their finals. Right. So I didn't get a prep this week. <laughs> and I had kids staying after school. So I didn't get that prep time either, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I You came in, I had a student here at 7.15 this morning doing right. a final. So as far as prep time, mine gets cut into significantly. And when we had this conversation with one of our supervisors, they were like, well, just put more boundaries up with students. And it's like... Yeah, but when are the kids going to have time to come in? Like, a couple coworkers get mad at me when I have kids up during my lunch period right. to retake a test. And I'm like, they can't make it here before school. A lot of the kids are starting right. to work, so they can't really stay after school unless we figure something out. Right. I like I would do it depending on what it is later in the evening, but I'm not doing that if I don't have to. When's the only time during the day that they can? Right. They don't have a study hall is during lunch. Right. I can take 20 minutes. I'm still eating. I still get right. my lunch. So, right. But I'm, it's, I'm doing something yeah. during it. But then, so when we have... And I know it's a discussion right now, our teachers union is pushing prep time, but like when there's so many demands on your prep time mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, I have to teach a grammar lesson this week. How can I make this more engaging? 
I don't know. I already have a worksheet, so I guess we'll just do the worksheet. Right. Because that's what I have. Mm-hmm. So I do understand some teachers coming from, you know, yes, I want to make more engaging lessons. I just don't have the capacity, time or energy wise to make it happen. And a lot of it, like you said, is trial and error. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're going to do this really fun, engaging activity. You know, I like using Pear Deck um, because the kids, it's anonymous for the kids and we yeah. all get to reply. Half my class will do it. Right. And then if they do answer the questions, they um, don't read the question. Like, I'll be like, write your favorite color. And they're like, eggs. What? Right. Um, so, like, okay, that. So they're not even engaging even didn't though they're work. engaging. Right. But I took 25, 30 minutes to make that. So I'm glad. And then it gets fresh. Like, it's disheartening. Yeah. To be like, I have this really fun thing I planned. And it was a total flop. So why would I plan something like that again? Right. And like I said, I think then when you don't have the time. So it's like, that was a waste of my time and I don't want to Right, when I could be doing something else. Right. Like grading or... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Typically we talk about the next steps. Yeah. What are some of your favorite ways to engage students? Like how do you make that a priority in your classroom? So it it's a lot easier with my honor students because there is already that expectation that they come in, they have the material read so we can discuss it, we can talk about it and then... Like I was kind of saying before, I have a close reading activity that isn't a typical close reading Mm -hmm. activity. So, like, we're going to be starting great expectations in my honors level world lit class. And it's a long novel, so it takes us, like, a quarter and a half to do. But with each of the chapters, I have a little activity that's built in that requires them to, like, pick a character and pull evidence for this. Um, Kind of based on that PD that we had at the end of the first part, I'm going to do something kind of modified from what they did where they're going to get into groups and they have to pick a character that they want to boast about Mm. to roast and to toast. Yeah. Like, but they still need to provide evidence as to why they're doing it. So technically it's engaging. They're doing a close read. They're doing the skill that I want them to. And it does help when they get to work with people that they like. And even just like working with either by yourself, with your partner, like, with your friends, like, that helps the kids engage more. I was talking to my classroom neighbor, like, how do we go about doing this? Like, do I let them do it all the time? Do I randomly do it all the time? And he does it kind of like how I just said, like, let them do it sometimes, let them not do it other times. And I like that strategy. For me, it helps engage the kids with new people getting out of their comfort zones and things like that. But then they can also hear other opinions on the actual materials. Right. So that's something I do in my classroom, and I really like it, and I'm excited to do some of these new ones with great expectations because it is such a pinnacle book, especially for the kids that are going into AP Lit. Yeah. Like, having that background on it is extremely beneficial. Yeah. I love the peer pressure, too, because in my class, I... I now I have all the desks in groups because I can't get between the rows anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And... Um, I assign them to groups, but I occasionally will say, you can pick wherever you want. But if they're in a group and they have to work with those. But I try to pair some of the kids who are less engaged with one or two strong leaders that I yeah. know will be like, no, 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 we need your opinion. Um, or with their friends who will mm-hmm. be, I'm like, hey, why, you know. And they almost force them Yeah, to I'm like, why are you doing this by yourself? You got all your, you know, these people. And they're like, yeah, why am I doing this by myself? Get over here. You're in my group. Like. And they will, like, literally require their friends to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it is fun to have them group together with friends and be like, you know, they have a relationship where they Correct. can be like, 
dude. <laughs> but it's also important to have them work with other people yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, because you can't always get what you want in life. No. <laughs> I think, too, as far as engagement, understanding that um, our students just sometimes don't get it. And so when we do, like, one big thing and they should be super engaged because this is the only day we're doing this material. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure for one lesson. <laughs> it, it is. And so Especially like, if you put how much time and effort into it. Right. So if you can, you know, I try to do, you know, we're going to revisit this over and over again. We're going to do a similar project or a similar topic over and over again. And hopefully a little bit less prep stuff mm-hmm. work towards it so that I don't feel like it was a waste. But the kids are still engaged. Right. But if I'm like, you know, today is the only day you're going to learn this material and we're going to do it in this big, engaging way and it flops. Like you're hurting the kids. And then you as a teacher have to go back and reteach it, which, again, like as much as we don't say we're on a schedule, we are on a schedule. Like there's right. certain things we have to get done. Right. Then that puts you behind. Exactly. Not in an intervention way, but in just I yeah. messed up. I need to redo this. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else that you really... Um, have enjoyed doing as far as engaging kids in your class? I can show you can think about it. One of the things that I have done a couple times now and I'm looking to do more, our librarians are awesome. Mm -hmm. And my students have incredibly low reading levels. So as far as like building background knowledge and reading comprehension, the librarians will pull children's books for me about the topics we're doing. So last time we did about different trips. And so the whole idea is to use vocabulary about, you know, where did you go? What did you do? How did you get there? Mm-hmm. And I asked for, I think I asked for eight and I got like 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pulled, you know, they order them from all the elementary schools. And so then my kids can work on the target vocabulary. Yeah. In and reading comprehension, but in something that's clearly laid out for them. Laid out for them. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm like, you guys, it's going to be really easy. We're reading kids' books. And they're like, oh, yeah, these are so easy. Some of my kids, it's actually an appropriate level for them. But I don't say, you know, so we do picture books. And then they're like, well, I don't know. I didn't say in the book what they packed. We'll look at the pictures. Right. How do you know? And so we're doing like elementary level reading comprehension of, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But they're so much more engaged because it's an appropriate level for them. And it seems like fun where it's like if I just print out a bunch of articles. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. I would say then just kind of something I do is I really try to let the students know who I am. Because then they're going to in turn do the same thing. Yeah. And then we have, hey, engage in this like you're engaging in me. I'm engaging in you. And that translates to fostering those relationships in the classroom. Yeah. Like this one girl in my seventh hour like showed me these knockoff Teddy Grahams like. I'm like, oh, my God, I love Teddy Grahams. She brought me, like, a couple the Aww. next day. And that's something a lot of, and I, we talked before on the podcast about building relationships with students, and some teachers are really uncomfortable with it. Yeah. I work with a newer teacher who's like, they're like, are you married? Do you have a girlfriend? Do this, do that. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. But finding things about yourself that you're willing to share with students, mm-hmm. just because if they're invested in you as a person, they'll be more invested about what you're talking about. Right, and they'll in turn show that same level of engagement hopefully back they'll be as right. equally and like open with you right. so my co-teacher he's like i'm not talking about if i have a girlfriend i'm not i'm not talking about if i'm married or not but i went golfing this weekend or i watched the basketball game and so mm-hmm. kids will come in and be like oh my gosh the game did you watch that and he's willing to talk about that that's something that's comfortable for him right and then the kids at least can engage with him right um i joke i'm like my department we are like overshares like my kids <laughs> can probably Everything but my social security number they can tell you about right. me, which is part of 
you know, we're comfortable with that and it helps us build a relationship with students. But for any teacher, even to the point, I have some students still who are like, I don't even know if that teacher knows my name. Right. I don't know anything about that teacher. They don't say anything to me. So why would I care about what's going on in their room? Exactly. Um, and even like little decorations and stuff like that help. Like you've seen my room. I got my little Funko Pops everywhere. Right. I got my posters and things like that. So the kids even coming in, even if there is that language barrier, no. Oh, she's a superhero fan. Okay, that's cool. Right. I know one of my, my students, I have like a picture of my husband and I in a little frame. And then we're doing the new e-hall pass system. And sometimes the e-hall pass thing isn't working. Yeah. Or my computer isn't booted yet. So I've started using that as a pass. And I just hand them this like cute picture of me and my husband. And I'm like, here, I need you to run somewhere. And they're like, what is this? I'm like, that's your pass. I'm like, yeah. If anybody asks, be like, this is Mrs. Lang and her husband. And I promise she sent me. Because why the heck would you walk around with a teacher picture of a teacher and her spouse? That's true. Um, you know, and they're like, oh, that's kind of, but like also kind of showing, you know, yeah, I have my husband and, you know, yeah. like, oh, that's kind of a cute picture. And um, yeah, I think that relationship piece is crucial. To at engagement the, in general. At the high school level, it's something I struggle with where a lot of teachers feel more like professors and are like, mm-hmm. I'm only here to teach the content and move on from that. But our high schoolers are just big kids. Right. Like... And they want to get to know who you are. And if, they're, like you said, there's not that connection and they are scared they don't even know their name, what, why are they going to pay attention? Why are they right. going to like that person? It is about, to some degree, liking the person or not liking the person. Right. Yeah. One of our students, he did not do well in a final. And we're like, well, you didn't do well in the final because you don't like that teacher. And he was like, I don't like that teacher because she doesn't like my ESL teachers. And I was like... <laughs> Apparently, she has made comments to him about the ESL teachers, and he's very protective of us. And he was like, "But that's because you guys have that relationship, right?" But he was like, "No, if she doesn't like my people, she's not my people." Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So, as far as like barriers, and then moving forward, what are some next steps? Let's start like big. Yeah. What are the big like district, um, field wide things that would have to change to help get students engaged? I think the first thing that we have to do is. N- change the percentage for the formative summative. Mm -hmm. I think if that change, even if it was like 80-20, probably 25-75 at the lowest. Yeah, lowest for the summative. What our students are doing daily in class has more weight on their final grade. Correct. Yeah. Because then they would be pushed to do it more. And then as a teacher, like, because I've tried for two years and it hasn't worked where I'm like, you can't redo this test unless you do the formatives. And they just don't do it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like down to the wire. What am I going to do? Let a kid not retake it because they didn't do two measly homework assignments. Right. Like, so I think once that label goes away or we adapt to it better, which who knows how long that's going to take. Right. I think that's the first thing that needs to go. And I would say the other big step is just getting more support from admin going engagement looks different in everyone's room. So we're not going to be like, you have to do this thing that we talked about in PD. Try it maybe once, see if it works, or don't, but give us a rationale why. Yeah. They just are like, do it, do it, do it, do it. And there's not very many, I'm trying to think, I haven't been on a summer year yet here at this school, because with COVID, our summer years got all messed up. Um, The last time I was observed in on a summer year, I did get feedback about, oh, that one kid wasn't engaged. I don't remember what he was doing. Oh, no. <laughs> it was, I called on one kid too much. I wasn't evenly calling on kids in the class. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I call on that one kid because if he's not actively engaged, he distracts the entire room. Right. And this is, like, in small groups. And I was like, no, that kid literally, and I've had to do this with my high school students, too. Like, 
when I taught in Iowa City, I had a student that was my co-teacher because he had no interest in school. He didn't want to be in ESL class. And he and I was like, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to go to college? He's like, no, I'm taking over my dad's business in Mexico. And I was like, what are some skills you need for that? Mm -hmm. I said, it's communication one. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, great. Then you come up here and teach this lesson. And he like was engaged because he was more in charge. Right. And he understood the value of that. This little fourth grader I had, I was like, if I don't call on him every minute, I'm going to lose him. Right. And in turn, lose all the other kids who are watching him play. Exactly. Um, and so I think, yeah, when we talk about admin, admin doesn't often have the time, give us the time to explain our rationale mm-hmm. of like, not every kid was engaged. No. But the ones that needed to be were. Right. You know, I have a student right now who's in my ESL class. She comes in late. She's on her phone. She's not. She only really does work if it's in a one-on-one situation. And I can't do that with 21 kids in my class. And if I keep trying to engage her and keep trying to pull her in, it just irritates her and irritates Mm -hmm. me. And then the whole day's a bust. Whereas if I just say, she's going to do what she's going to do. And then when everyone else is working independently, I'll check in with her. Mm -hmm. That works so much better for all of us. Right. Um, And then you've got kids, like you said, the one kid you didn't meet till October. So then when he does show up. He doesn't know you like and everyone else And even on a seldom basis. Like, right. even after you brought him in, like, I didn't see him for two weeks. Right. And then he shows up, and that kid specifically will do this. He'll show up and be like, so what do I need to work on? And I'm like, being here. Yes. I can't get you caught up on three months' worth of things today. Right. And if I do hand him stuff, then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll get to that in a second. Um, but if Admin were to come in and be like, he wasn't doing anything. I'm like, well, it's his first here. day here all year. Yeah. <laughs> it's October. Yeah, absolutely, that understanding from admin. There's also one of my students was asking just the general flexibility for our students. I think post-COVID especially, there's been a huge push to be back to normal, but it's actually been more intensive yes. than pre, pre-pandemic expectations. And some of my students, one of my kids was like, why don't we do night school? He was like, I am not awake till 10 a.m. Right. Like, why can't I come from 10 to 6? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, no, we don't do that. Right. Um, but just the flexibility in general, uh, in general to tell students like, you know, Hey, and I am lucky in that I work with four math classes. And so I can say, I know everyone has a math test today. Yeah. I know everyone has an English test today. So our class today. And you check the weekly agenda. And I check the weekly agenda for my classes. And I can say our class today is going to be lighter because I know what's going on Mm -hmm. in your other classes. And I have flexibility in my lesson planning because I'm the only one who teaches my course where I can say, right, and today is going to be a, you know, talk with your group and make a list of your favorite foods kind of day. But um, other teachers don't have that opportunity Correct. to build those things in. Well, and I think, too, it like at least looking at the English department, like I'm an advocate for like junior, senior year. Let's give them an option for their English class. Prepare for college or technical, yeah. like the field, because a lot of kids struggle in English because it's not geared toward what they're going to do. If they're going to go into the trades or into the military, why do they need to know how to write this big mass of paper? Right. Right. They don't. Um, On a small classroom basis, what Mm -hmm. are some next steps you think teachers can do? I think what you just mentioned, it also works for a small Mm -hmm. group of give kids options. Just being aware of your students and who they are. Like, I have a class that's full of kids, and then I know they're going to go into, like, they're going to go, most of them are going to go to Gateway. I'm going to gear some of my lessons and stuff toward that. Right. Versus I'm going to just teach it the way I'm supposed to teach it. Right. 
And I think even like two on a smaller scale, it's like collaborate and like throw out some of the old lesson plans. Yeah. Like change up what you've been doing. Like we fall, like I'll admit, I fall into that habit sometimes too. I'm like, oh, this is my third year teaching this. I'm just going to use the same thing. Well, no, it didn't work. How can I make it better? Right. We fall into that trap. Yeah, especially, and that's not, like I said, that's not a privilege I've had yet mm-hmm. as a teacher, but teachers who, yeah, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, I've been teaching Algebra 1 for 20 years, this mm-hmm. is how I teach Algebra 1, um, and now that I, like, push in and co-teach, and I'm like, yeah, that didn't, that doesn't work for our kids, yeah. like, how can we do this different, and they're like, that's how you do it, and it's been, there's been some challenge, <laughs> the one teacher who retired last year, he was like, I don't know, that's how I taught it for 50 years, right? Um, but to say, yeah, like, how can we... I would ideally, like, your PCT, your department meetings mm-hmm. would be, okay, here's our goal. What are some options for how we can teach that? Right. Um, Besides just throwing a video on. Right. Or here's my slides, right. and then you do it. But like I, like we said, I know that takes time and effort, and but ideally, then the kids are actually engaged and then learning the material. Right. And we're not passing them with a 60 on to the next thing. Right, they're actually maybe going to get a C or a B, <laughs> something that they can be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. This and is I fun. another meeting um, and our little break from not fire alarm that went off. Um, so reimagine teaching. Um, you can listen to previous episodes of the podcast. We'll be making more episodes now through May. And then I will be on maternity leave for a couple months. Um, so exciting. I know. Yeah. If you want to follow along with the conversation, we'll be posting on Instagram at reimagine.teaching. Um, huge shout out to um, Bree at Creative Cinephile, who's doing all of our editing now. I'm helping make this easier for me and sound better for all of you. Um, so hopefully that um, this one is a little bit smoother than some of the previous. Um, otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Charlie, thank you for chatting. Thank you. It was taking so your fun. Friday morning. Um, <laughs> and we will be back next time.